In this episode, I answer a question on how many papers you should read when writing up your lit review. So this is the second episode where I'm going to be opening up Twitter and searching the PhD chat hashtag and uh, answering the first question I come across. Okay, let's have a look. So, okay, this is a good one. Uh, so we have a question from uh, Spencer McIntyre who asks, roughly how many papers did people read through while writing up their lit review? I know as I dig into the rabbit hole, more will crop up, but I feel like there should be more. Okay, this is a great question. Um, lit reviews are a really good way to get the lay of the land, and quite often they're used at the beginning of a PhD or at the beginning of a postdoc or at the beginning of a new project, just so you can get a good understanding of, um, of what's happening in the research area. Um, and it can help direct your research for, uh, for the next little while. Um, but I think one way that you, um, that these things can get out of control very quickly. Um, as we all know, as, as Spencer men- mentioned, you can, uh, you can fall down these citation rabbit holes and you don't know where to stop. So in this regard, uh, I think one place to, one way to place a limit on what you're reading when it comes to your reviews is to perform a systematic review. And by performing a systematic review, you actually place constraints on what you're doing. People often see systematic reviews uh, as a way of performing an objective um, review of the literature, which is true. But I also think one real strength of systematic reviews is that it actually places constraints and limits on what you're doing, um, which helps uh, limit this uh, this idea of, of falling down citation rabbit holes because you only actually have a set amount of eligible studies that you can include in your review. Now, this how you actually set these constraints, of course, is going to vary from, from field to field. Um, but uh, this, this could be as simple as uh, putting a year of publication. Um, maybe there was something in your field where the technology changed within a certain year. Um, it could also be um, certain uh, characteristics of studies, whether you're looking at um, particular participant populations or particular species or what have you. But by putting these constraints here, it actually helps you limit what you're doing and it also helps your search um, because you can actually uh, put specific search terms when it comes to the year of publication or species um, or particular keywords that you're looking in, abstracts or titles. Um, One thing to consider that a lot of people don't actually take advantage of is your academic librarian. If you're looking to get together a really good um, search string um, or Boolean search string um, using whatever database you use, if you speak to your academic librarian either via email or, or in person, then they can actually help you put together a great search string for your search, which helps fulfill your inclusion or uh, exclusion criteria. Now, of course, um, being someone who performs a few meta-analysis, I'm quite biased. So, if your systematic review lends itself to a systematic review and meta-analysis, uh, then, of course, I think that's the better option. Uh, one thing about systematic reviews or reviews of any literature is that often it can fall into one of two things. Um, reviews often just become a laundry list of uh, this study says this or this study says that. Um, and you're basically listing the results of studies, um, or making just, uh, one big table. And, um, to be honest, that, that, that's a bit boring. Uh, the other thing that you can be doing is, um, uh, almost forming a, a checklist of which studies had a significant result and which studies different. 
And then you're putting up a tally in, in one sense where you're saying, well, you know, perhaps three studies said this and two studies say that. So perhaps there's a significant uh, difference, for instance. But the thing, the good thing about a systematic review and a meta-analysis is that with meta-analysis, you can actually um, uh, statistically um, synthesize these effect sizes. Um, as we know, um, you know, if you had three studies which said yes and two studies which said no, um, what if the three studies... Uh, were of poor quality and only had 10 participants each and the two studies had a thousand participants each. Um, one way you can actually help level the playing field, so to speak, when it comes to study quality um, or effect size or variance is to perform this meta-analysis. So if you do have the means, then I would definitely upgrade your review to a systematic review and then if possible, uh, upgrade that to a systematic review and meta-analysis. Uh, now, one thing that uh, Spencer also mentioned is that um, um, that uh, more will crop up, but I feel like there should be more. Uh, if you're not already doing it, I think Google Scholar is a great way of looking at the so-called grey literature. And these are studies which aren't necessarily published in peer-reviewed studies, uh, peer-reviewed uh, journals, um, and includes things like uh, conference abstracts um, quite often. Um, people are publishing uh, new work in, in conference abstracts. Um, it, it also includes uh, preprints as well. Um, people are publishing their preprints. It's becoming a lot more popular, which I think is fantastic. And Google Scholar indexes these preprints um, if they're um, published on uh, popular preprint repositories like um, uh, BioArchive um, or um, Open Science Framework. Um, so that's one way you can actually find if there's more studies uh, as well. So that is a really, uh, really good way that you can actually check the great literature to make sure that you're not missing more. Uh, the other thing to do is the good thing about Google Scholar and, um, and other uh, databases is that as well as actually looking through the citation lists of the papers um, that you're including in your analysis, which is, uh, which is uh, often called snowballing, one thing you can do on things like Google Scholar is what I call reverse snowballing in that you can actually see the studies which are citing those studies. So you can actually see um, what happened both in the past by looking at the citation list, but also what's happening in the future as a result of these studies by looking at the studies which cited those studies as well. So I think it's important to, to, to look both ways. But all in all, uh, one really good way of actually limiting or or pu- putting a cap on uh, on the amount of papers that you're looking at is to perform a systematic review in which you set your constraints early for what you're going to be studying. Even better, pre-register and post uh, what you're going to be doing um, for your review. You can do this on Open Science Framework. Um, uh, you can even do this on your own website if you have one and if the actual post can be timestamped as well. It just adds an extra little bit of objectivity when it comes to your review. Um, quite often, people can have biases, whether they know it or not, when it comes to these when it comes to these reviews, especially when it comes to meta analyses and systematic reviews. So, if you are pre-registering what you're going to be doing when it comes to your criteria, that's going to go a long way in helping with the quality of your research. So, hope that answers that question. Um, I'll be back again soon with a new podcast episode. That's all for today's episode of Physiology and Behavior with Dan Quintana. I hope you liked it. And if you did like it, I would really appreciate it if you were to post a link to the episode on Twitter. My name is at DS Quintana, or you can also post it to to Facebook and you can find me on Facebook as well. Uh, Just check out the links in 
the show notes. Uh, if you're into video, if you're on Instagram or if you're on YouTube, I also post some of the episodes on those sites there. So check out the show notes. If you have any questions, please let me know. The best way to get into contact is to message me over Twitter via DM at DS Quintana. Bye for now.